0: Well, welcome everyone. This is a a bit of a new series and uh, uh, it's called God's Word. And what God's really put on our heart is uh, to talk about the Word of God, uh, to talk about what is God saying, to talk about uh, the prophetic, what does the future of God's Word look like, especially as we come out of these lockdowns. And uh, it's great just to hear the encouragement to Uh, either in your life group or to get someone uh, to talk through these sermons as we speak about them. Because uh, as a pastoral team, we really wanted to bring a series that would match coming out of lockdown. So it would allow us uh, to talk about what God is saying as we come out into this brave new world, uh, post-lockdown world, and hopefully get on with our lives from now on. So important to be on point with what God is saying uh, to us as a church and us as the people of God. Uh, and then obviously, as, as us, as the people of God, there's always this individual factor where God is speaking things into uh, our own hearts and to understand that, to know that, uh, to have that revealed to us, which is what we call revelation when it's revealed to us what's going on. Uh, is just so vital. But what we're going to do, because we've got a few weeks left to out of lockdown, uh, is we're going to go right back to the beginning and look at how do we even know that God speaks? Where does this whole... Uh, doctrine of God's word come from. I'm going to get a little bit uh, doctrinal, theological on you this morning, uh, but I hope you enjoy it. So stay with me. And uh, we're going to go back to the beginning if we're going to do that. So I'm going to take you back through history uh, to the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople. So put your listening ears on this morning, because this is something you may not have heard before, or may not have heard about. Uh, for a while. We have a nice uh, medieval picture there uh, of, of of all the men. It was very male-dominated back then. I'm sorry, we uh, were missing the wisdom of the women, stupidly, back in that time. But uh, so we've got this Council of Nicaea in 325. So can you imagine, in th- the year before, 324, uh, the word goes out uh, across the Roman Empire uh, for all the bishops. So that's all the that the pastors essentially of each city uh, across the known world to come together uh, to the town or the city of Nicaea, which is in modern day uh, Turkey, kind of in the central west uh, of Turkey, Nicaea, to come together for a council, so a meeting uh, to talk about some important issues. So the history books tell us that there's about 318 bishops which is pretty impressive if you think about it i mean we're well, only two centuries here from essentially the disciples are uh, writing their gospels and then passing away in the late first century only a couple of hundred years even from when jesus walked on the earth and the church has exploded throughout the roman empire it's not in the halls of power there's not really any celebrity christians at this time uh it hasn't um, overthrown paganism as such yet, but Christianity has spread like wildfire through the normal, common people, door to door, heart to heart, through relationships. It's just revolutionising culture, how people see life. Uh, it's it's taking, it's giving a a viable option outside of the brutality of the Roman Empire, the pagan Greco-Roman way of living life. Christianity's taken off, and now there's a church that's spread out, it's quite healthy across the globe these bishops come together, they're allowed to bring two or three priests with them each. So they ride their horses uh, or, or, or take whatever transportation you would have taken in the year 325. And they ascend from across the globe, from Assyria in the Middle East, from Alexandra uh, out in Egypt, from from Rome, of course, um, but they head towards the east. So Rome's in the west, they head right out towards the, the east, uh, towards uh, Turkey. There's guys like Eusebius, there, uh, great early church father, not Eusebius, the uh, Brazilian footballer of the 70s who played with Palais, but you, the original fourth century Eusebius was famous for his early studies uh, in the Bible. You have Anatheus of Alexandria. What a name. Said, wouldn't that be a great name to have? My name is Anatheus of Alexandria. He was there. Uh, he was exiled five times from his position as bishop because he continued to make the Roman. Uh, aristocracy unhappy and he was kicked out of his role five times and came back. How's that for a bunch of uh, returns? Uh, you have the Bishop of Antioch there, Athustius. Uh, these guys have challenging names. He ends up becoming a saint in the Orthodox Church, a really cool saint, right? He is the saint in the Orthodox Church of feasting. So there's a day dedicated to feasting in the name um, of uh, the Bishop of Antioch. So I know that this is some pretty old school stuff, but let me get to the point here. They have an agenda. Like any good meeting, the Council of Nicaea in 325, there's an agenda. First on the agenda is what date are we going to date Easter? So Noah was, there was no confirmation on when we're going to have Easter in the Christian calendar. So that was the first thing on the agenda they sought out. There's a bunch of other matters of church discipline uh, that they sought out, including the reconciliation of those lapsed Christians, so people who had been a Christian and fallen away, but wanted to come back into the church fold. How do we, do we allow people back in or not? So that was a a big point on the agenda. Another interesting one was when should we uh, bow, uh, kneel or stand in prayer? doesn't seem very important to us moderns, but it's very important to them. When do we stand? When do we kneel during times of prayer? And this is really what the Council of Nicaea is famous for. The final and major uh, agenda point was to work out the status of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. This, if you didn't know, was actually the main conversation for the first four, five hundred years of the church was, is Jesus divine? What is the status of Jesus Christ? Is he God or not? That took about Four or five centuries to really nut out. And we have the famous Nicene Creed, which you'll see on the screen now, which was written uh, or drafted at 325. And it says, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. It's got God the Father, which we understand as the one part of the Trinity. And then it articulates the second part is about Jesus in and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only son of God. So this was them confirming who Jesus was in 325. The only son of God forgotten from the uh, begotten, sorry, from the father, not forgotten, begotten from the father of all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, very important of the same essence as the Father. Now, if we were at in-person church, I would be asking you to repeat, of the same essence as the Father. So I'm not gonna read through the rest of this bit. This is the point here. It may seem amazing to you as a modern person, to me as a modern person, 1700 years later, but this was the piece that said that Jesus was the Son of God. You see what had happened is that there was this Arian heresy it's called Arianism and it was suggesting and it was a very strong movement and a strong school of thought at this moment in history and Arianism said which came to be known as a heresy or a falsehood said that Jesus wasn't God but Jesus was just under God he was the ultimate human being the perfect example the pinnacle of all humanity was Jesus Christ but ultimately he was a creature made by God created by God but he was the best human and we should all strive to be like Jesus Christ now the arians this may sound crazy to you but the arians appealed to scripture in order to support their claim. They quoted scriptures like Jesus saying the father is greater than I, which he says in John chapter 14, verse 28, the scriptures that say Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. So therefore Jesus is created by God. He's born as first, but within creation. So against this heresy to squash this heresy, the early church fathers came up with this statement that Jesus is of the same essence of the of the father. Let's put this in modern language. Jesus is made of the same stuff as God. The same stuff. They're not separate. And they're not he's not inferior to God. They're made of the same stuff. They're equal. Now let's jump to the second part of the creed here. And you'll see it on your screen. Very important to understand the creeds because uh, let's jump to the next one. Sorry mark this, the, the final part of the creed talks about the holy spirit and we believe in the holy spirit the lord the giver of life It's the third part of the trinity here now that is confirmed at the council of nicaea he proceeds from the father and the son and with the father and the son is worshipped and glorify." Now this was drafted in Nicaea, but as I said to you, there's a second council here in Constantinople in 381. So 56 years later, the early church is gathering together for the point of clarifying and affirming the status of the Holy Spirit. So now the third part of the Trinity. And this was what they drafted at Nicaea is now confirmed in Constantinople, which you know is the famous, famous city. Uh, named after Constantine, who was the first celebrity Christian, the emperor of Rome. And that is modern day Istanbul. And if you've been around for a while, I've been there uh, on a couple of trips recently, modern day Istanbul. So Constantinople, they gathered and they affirmed the identity of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. This is very interesting. He proceeds from the father and the son. So if we're at church together, I'd be saying, repeat after me, he proceeds from the father and the son so there's the equality of the holy spirit again the holy spirit isn't lesser to the father and now we've affirmed the status of the son as made of the same stuff as god but he proceeds from the father and the son so he's on equal terms and we know that because of the second line says and with the father and the son the third part of the godhead the holy spirit is to be worshipped and glorified now interestingly the eastern orthodox church split over the Western church with this very sentence. So the Eastern Orthodox Church, their creed says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, no son. And that created the schism of 1051, where the Eastern and the Western churches split about 500 years later over this very sentence. So we have different creeds about how we believe the Holy Spirit proceeds from God. So what did this do? Why am I taking you through history? Why are we jumping deep into these things? Well, first thing you have to understand is our theology is ancient. (laughs) As moderns, we read the Bible very shallowly. Often we just read the words on the scripture in English and then we project our meaning into that. And that is a great fallacy because it's foolish because you miss so much. Now, understand it's not your job to spend your time here. That's why I have guys like me who can preach and help us understand because it's so important. So much of Christian theology is actually wrapped up in the Apostles Creed, which was a bit earlier than this one. And then in this creed, which we call the Nicene Creed, so much of our theology was actually decided and confirmed. It's not the Bible, the scriptures, but it's because of the Bible and the scriptures that things have to be talked through and to be confirmed. Out of this creed, and I won't take you there today, but just quickly, we actually get an understanding of what God is like, what his being is like, which is a whole doctrine of Christianity, the being of God. We get, as I've shared, the status of Jesus clarified. And in theological studies, we call this Christology. So who is Jesus? What did he do? What is He about? How do we know he is the truth. We get pneumatology clarified for the first time. So pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? We get this confirmation that he proceeds from the Father and the Son is equal with them, therefore to be worshiped and glorified. But to get to our point of this whole series, we get clarity on God's word. How does God speak? So my question for you today, and I've just got one for you, is do you believe that God speaks? And if you do, which I know most of the people, if you're in our church here this morning, you do believe that he speaks. Why do you believe this? And maybe if you're from outside of our church, maybe if you're in our church, I don't know, maybe you're not sure if he speaks. If you're not sure if he speaks, tell us why this morning. I'm really interested to see in the comments uh, some engagement today. Do you believe that God speaks? And if you do, why do you believe that he's God speaks? If you're not sure that he speaks, why are you not sure? that God speaks? These are the big questions. Now, I'm not trying to Sunday school you this morning because for some of you you may be sitting there thinking, well, this is a bit basic Pastor Cove. No, I'm trying to take you back in history. I'm trying to take you back very early because things that we take for granted as theology today cost a lot of people a lot of time and a lot of effort during history. and cost a lot of people even their lives to ascertain the theology that we have today How do we know that God speaks? It's important to understand the origins. When we say God spoke to me, what does this mean? Because we know a lot of mentally unwell people also say that they hear voices and that God speaks to them. Many religions that Christians would consider false, make claims that God spoke. Muhammad, God appeared to him in a cave and revealed to him the Quran. So how do we know that that is God speaking? or not speaking? And if it's not God speaking, how do we know such a thing? Philosophy itself begins with the question, is there a God? And how does he talk? Or how do we talk about him? How do you talk about God? You can't just flippantly say, God is this God is that God speaks like this. I mean, this is God we're talking about, you got to show some respect. You can't just articulate the words of God as a mere human being living in the modern 21st century flippantly as something that you just come across in your spare time. How does God speak? If God speaks, how do we know? Why do you believe this? I'm going to show us the reason this morning because it's right there in the Nicene Creed. The key to knowing that God speaks is the fact that he is a trinity. I've got a little picture here for you from the movie, The Shack. And uh, it's got the Trinity as represented in the shack. Uh, You've got the man there in the uh, mustard colored shirt is, uh, if you remember the movie or the book, is Mac Phillips. And he's this very conflicted man who's going through some deep personal issues. Uh, He's lost a family member to death and he's really questioning the existence of God. And he goes away to this remote shack to try and get his thoughts straight and try and cry out to God and What happens is the God appears to him and spends a weekend with him in the shack and God appears as the Trinity, three persons, one God. That's our belief as Christians. We believe that God is three persons and one God. And in the picture here, the movie, the book represents God as Papa. And that's the uh, African-American woman uh, as, as, as the son, Jesus Christ. And that's the Middle Eastern looking man. And then as uh, Saru, which is an odd name, but the Asian woman is that known as the Holy Spirit or Saru in the movie, which means breath or, or breath of life. So this is the Holy Trinity, three persons in one. This is what we believe. And this begins to give us some evidence and some insight to how we know that God speaks. My second point this morning is that the Trinity, This three persons in one, is an intimate relationship, an intimate relationship. This is so powerful. So we believe in a God, get this for a moment, listen carefully, we believe in a God that is self-relational. So without needing to relate to human beings, without needing to relate to some pantheons of, of, of gods, like the Greek gods, many different gods all fighting it out for who is the most powerful. God is re- relational within himself. He's self-relational. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three of them are in relationship with one another. And it is an the intimate relationship, the most intimate relationship. You imagine for a moment, three good friends that are such good friends that they're always on the same page. They're always unified in speech. They're always ending each other's sentences. They always understand each other's humor. They do things in perfect unison. They always show generosity to each other. They prefer one another. You Imagine three gra- the greatest friends, the greatest three human beings of the face of the earth doing things so perfectly together. Now add divinity to that. Translate that from the earth up to heaven. Picture that as God. Three people in perfect unity, perfect relationship, intimacy. But because it's a divine relationship, when they think a thought, they all think the same thought. When they do an action, the father moves, the son speaks, the Holy Spirit acts. They're doing it in unison, yet they are three in one. One action, three conscious persons. Wrap your head around that. When I speak or I behave, it's one person speaking and behaving and one consciousness that I have. When God speaks or acts, it's one act, it's one word, it's one thought. Three separate consciousness, three separate people. This is the intimacy of God. He is totally self-sufficient relationally. He doesn't need anyone or need anything. Number three, the Holy Trinity is a loving community. Now, this part of the Trinity or this doctrine of the Trinity, if you like, rejects Unitarianism. And sorry, I'm getting a bit theological with you this morning. But Unitarianism is another heresy that says God is only one. It says God is singular. It says that the Christian God is on his own. But God is not that. The Holy Trinity is a loving community. The deep love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has for each other is, again, totally sufficient. God doesn't need love from anywhere else. He doesn't need worship. (coughs) Excuse me. He doesn't need affection from anywhere else. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Spirit loves the Son. They are in perfect loving community, working together for the benefit of all. And that is only possible because of this fourth point. God is equally submitted each to one another. The father submits himself to the Holy Spirit. The son has submitted himself to the father and this is where we get our picture of the church and the unified church everybody in the house of god all the people of god all the christians unified together in equal submission with one another, each each other with one another through jesus christ that's the ultimate idealism the idealistic picture of the church where god is perfecting us as the people of god into this place where we reflect him the holy trinity God, the Lord God, submitted to Jesus, the Son of God who died on the cross, who submitted to the Spirit of God, as we know as the Holy Spirit, the breath of life, submitted to each other equally. None taking over from the other, none criticizing the other, none with ambition pushing ahead of the other, but equal submission, perfect unity, a loving community, intimate. And here's the fifth point. How do we know that God speaks? Because God is in continual. The Holy Trinity is in continual self-communication. God didn't create us to talk to us. He already had an intimate, loving conversation that was going on and on and on and is going on and on and on through all of humanity. And yes, God spoke, let there be light. And that began something. That created something. And yes, God, Hebrews 1 tells us God spoke in these end times. He spoke to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God spoke by sending his son onto the earth. And yes, God spoke again through the scriptures. And that's how we know that he speaks to us because there's a revelation of the scriptures. God speaks to us through creation. God speaks to us through the scriptures. That's called revelation. And we're going to deal with these things later on. How do we know that God speaks? Because God speaks to himself. The proof of God's divinity is that the Trinity is in loving self-communication. Intimacy, love, relationship, submission, conversation. The Trinity is completely self-sufficient in conversation talking to one another in beautiful love, with incredible graciousness in every word, a tone of encouragement, uplifting one another, speaking the truth in perfect unity, in perfect love, all throughout eternity. The proof of God's divinity is the Trinity's loving self-communication. Why is this proof? Because this proves that God is divine. The fact that God is self-communicative Proves that God is not human. He doesn't. We need another human to communicate. We can can have self-talk, but to have communication, to have dialogue, we need another human. God is self-sufficient. He only needs himself in order to communicate because he is one yet he is three. This proves God's divinity, his transcendence. He is not human. He is not on the earth. He is not bound by time and space and all of our emotions and difficulties of COVID and lockdowns and depression and struggles and marriage and kids and financial issues and all the human things that we deal with, God is unaffected. And God speaks without fear and anxiety, without self-protection in his perfect unified love. This is how we know that God speaks. God's word originates from the Trinity's self-communication. What we call God's word, what we call God speaking, what we call the prophetic, what we call the Bible, what we call God spoke to me in my prayer time, what we call God spoke to me in a vision, all of it originates. His word originates within the Trinity's self loving communication and next week i'm going to show you how we get into that trinity and therefore we can hear the voice of god but this week we're just dealing with the trinity so god speaks very quickly within his loving self-relationship god speaks through scripture as it was recorded by human beings god speaks and i love this, this is probably my favorite part god speaks to accomplish something whenever he talks it's always to accomplish something god speaks in a way that the human heart can witness to his voice. That's what we call the witness of the Holy Ghost. God speaks in a way that the human mind can comprehend what he's saying. This is what we call revelation. Oh, I had a revelation. When we say that, we're saying, I understand in my mind, God has revealed something that I've finally seen. Guess what? God's always known what you saw. Guess what? A whole bunch of other people have always known what you just saw. But when you see it, when you comprehend it, That's a revelation to you. God is a revelation. And finally, God speaks ultimately, the pinnacle of his word. And finally, through his son, Jesus Christ, the final word of God, the ultimate word of God, the dot on the end of the sentence was Jesus Christ coming to earth. Now, let me show you quickly because I'll get uh, burnt at the stake if I don't give you a good scripture this morning. Let me show you quickly how God's word within the Trinity happens how does the trinity operate and speak remember i said he doesn't speak without action so speak and also act together let's look at luke chapter 3 and verse 21 when all the people were being baptized jesus too was baptized and he was praying and heaven opened And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, which means the Holy Spirit, you can see a dove, bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is a great, probably the best biblical example of the Trinity in word and in action. So we have the three distinct persons of God working in perfect harmony perfect unity perfect loving relationship to speak the word and then act according to his own word no humans involved just god pure god in operation we've got a speaker we've got a receiver and we've got an affirmer you see here is god working in perfect teamwork the father speaks with a voice of authority identifying his son this is my son you see the word of god You see the authority of god you see god um, project his authority i'm sorry project his identity of sonship his identity of fatherhood on to jesus christ you see a picture of the holy spirit here manifesting as a dove in bodily form so that would suggest to us that there was a real dove that people probably saw a real dove come down from heaven god's word turning into action and manifesting materially on the earth and the dove comes down not as the speaker and not as the receiver, but as the affirmer, the dove affirms. If you weren't sure who God is speaking about everyone, it's Jesus that this dove is coming and landing upon. Oh, okay. We know who the son of God is. There's something divine going on here. And then Jesus, he's not the speaker and he's not the dove. He's the receiver. See the Trinity working in perfect unity, a speaker, and a firmer and a receiver. And Jesus is praying. Jesus is receiving his identity as the son. You see, this is a great picture of God's word, God speaking, God's word originating from the Trinity, from the Holy Trinity, who is in loving self-communication. This is the Trinity talking and acting in Luke 3.21, and we get to see it. People got to heard, hear it, therefore they wrote it down in the scriptures. This is how the Trinity works. No human needed, no human involved, not bound by time. We've got the Father speaking, the Son receiving, the Holy Spirit affirming. This is how God works. Look at the, very quickly creation, it's the same thing. In creation, we have the Father saying, Let there be light. So the speaker. We have the Son who mediates creation. The New Testament tells us that several times, doesn't it? Through him, John tells us in John 1, through him, through Jesus, all of creation came. So he's mediating creation. We have the Holy Spirit creating. Holy Spirit's hovering over the waters of the deep and then the Holy Spirit's creating in line with the Father's directives. Let there be light. Let there be fish in the sea. Let there be birds in the air. The the Holy Trinity working together in perfect self-communication. So as I finish, Two discussion questions for you. Please talk about these in your life groups. If you're not in a group, get in a group, ask for a group or grab your husband, your wife, grab your kids, uh, grab a friend, have this discussion because there's gonna be weekly discussions over the next probably six, seven, eight weeks. They're gonna help us w- move with God's word out of this time of lockdown. So the first question I already asked you today, do you believe God speaks? Why do you believe this? Have a discussion about that. And the second one, is if God's word originates from the Trinity's loving self-communication, unity, submission, what are the implications for human beings? What's implications for you, for us as the church? Give you an opportunity uh, to discuss that. Thank you, Phil and Leanne. I apologize that we've gone a little bit over today. A couple of extra uh, announcements here and there. But did you guys want to say anything or point out a couple of comments? I'd love to see a couple of
1: comments before we go. And I just, I mean, I've, uh, I was thinking about the, the question, you know, for me, I've always said that um, no one could really tell me that God's not real from what I've seen, you know, as well. And, um, you know, and, and I know there's that scripture about talking about more about people, if you know, them by their fruit, but also the fruit of what? Um, he's speaking to us and you know for us things like the healing you know amazing healings you know that i've seen with my own eyes you know literally talking about eyes luke's you know luke's eyes that got healed um, when he was younger we've shared before when mm. um he was eight years old i think yeah. um uh, and you know and mark that's facilitating today like you know was part of praying for him at that time and incredible miracle of healing um that God just healed his eyes immediately. Mm. And, uh, you mm. know, for me, how can you tell me that God doesn't speak in the, even in that way, you know, um, yes. in, 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 in the evidence of, uh, of those things, you know, and, and um, uh, you know, it's just so special that we have that ability to have that relationship with our God, you know. He's not mm. a stone. Mm. He's not a statue. He's not a mythical God. He's mm-hmm. um, He's a Amen. living uh, God that has Amen. a relationship with us. And I think just very
2: quickly... For me, I love that God's word always has purpose. Like mm. He doesn't just ramble on, uh, like mm. many humans do, and um, you know it's always clear, um, concise, and, and it's always encouraging. Even if it's correcting, there's still you know there's always hope. You know His word always has hope for an incredible future mm. yes. Um, yes. for us, and that's what I I love. I, I, I loved just remembering the concept. You know, as you were talking about it, Caleb, of Father Son spirit all yeah. talking together, all agreeing, mm. all equal parts, no one being any greater than the other. Just a, a, you know, a, a great reminder in this time of, of who it is that we actually serve, just that unity.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's critical, absolutely critical. And it's amazing, as I said, with the creed and everything that really everything comes back to the Trinity in what we believe as Christians. And as you say, Leon, that picture of God in perfect unison, in perfect loving community and sufficient self-communication and talking to himself uh, is, is the ideal and the ultimate and everything flows from there. And next week I'll talk about how that God invites us into that Trinity essentially and into that relationship with him. And therefore we can actually hear the conversation.
1: Uh, such a brilliant word. Thank you, It's was really, uh, you know, I, I think um, son, my son Josh Mentioned one there, just a deep word, but also something, you know, just even the, uh, uh, you know, I wrote down about the Nicene Creed. I mean, I've heard it, but I didn't, again, where it fits, how it fits. Yeah. It just, yes. you know, uh, again, the incredible evidence of Christ is in, in uh, the way uh, of, you know, God um, is just so amazing. You know, when the more you dig into it, the more you're bringing out to us. It just, It's just amazing. So thanks very much. Really appreciate it. It's awe-inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. It's so good.
0: Can I pray for everyone? Yes,
1: Please, so. do. Please do. Please
0: Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that we serve a God who is not one, but is three. And so straight away, we're giving an ideal picture of what love looks like, of what communication looks like, of what teamwork looks like, unity, Lord God. We thank you for that, Lord God. You don't stand up in heaven commanding us to do things that you've never done. You, you are who you are, and you've commanded us to be like you. And uh, we just thank you for your perfect, picture Lord God we thank you that that perfect picture that we're aiming at as individuals as the church Lord God is also not on this earth it's not a human philosophy it's not an ideology uh, it's not a person an author uh, something on this earth Lord God it's something outside of this earth Lord God we have so much proof uh, of your divinity and your power Lord God and we just thank you for that Lord God help us in this time to reflect the Holy Trinity. Lord, that we would be truly the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, unified, teamwork, in loving communication with each other, in intimate relationships with one another. Thank you, even as Amy shared today, the intimate relationships she has with her friends in the church that are different from all other relationships, Lord God, that reflect a little piece of that divinity of that godliness just in a simple life group lord god lord help us to grow help us to be unified uh, in a time of division uh, there's so much political division there's so much division over health these health issues we're facing help us to be the body of christ that shines the light of unity preferring one another and submission mutual submission in this time of crisis and upheaval lord god we pray thank you that your word will lead us out of these lockdowns lord and in to our glorious future in your mighty name amen.
1: amen amen thanks again and uh thanks everyone for joining us sorry we've gone a bit over time and for those the parents as well just to let you know that uh, kids church will now be starting it. show which are running a bit late so apologies on that but uh, uh, Jazz is about to jump on so have a great and awesome week we'll see you all next
2: week see see everyone.
1: You.